Hey, hey, everybody. It is Jeannie Walters, and we are back for another episode of Experience Action. Now, this is our special monthly CX Pulse Check edition, where we talk about things that are happening out there in the real world of customer experience. Now, in the past, we've had Paige from our team as the co-host, but today we have a special co-host, Nate Brown. Welcome. Hey, what's going on, everybody? How are you? Good. Good to see you, Jeannie. Well, thank you so much for having me. I think I'm the first non-experience investigators guest, so I'm so happy to be here. This is amazing. That is absolutely true. So this is our special monthly episode where we Hmm. talk about what's happening in the world. How can that inspire CX leaders? What do we need to know about customer expectations moving forward? So I'm thrilled to have you as part of that conversation. Before we get further, I would love for you to introduce yourself to the Experience Action audience here. Yeah, Nate from Nashville. I I love fishing out of my kayak and pickleball and disc golf. I got two great kiddos and a a whole brood of chickens. Uh, Just loving life out here in Middle Tennessee. And I'm a student of CX. Been ever since I came up through a, a customer service environment and started asking questions like, where do these tickets come from and how can we make them go away upstream? <laughs> I've been addicted to the work of customer experience and, and I, I love the puzzle that it is. So, uh, so, so excited to be here. Well, we are thrilled to have you. And, you know, you also are co-founder of CX Accelerator, which is a fantastic CX community. If any of our listeners don't know about it, I recommend you check that out too, because you have really developed a special community there. And I think that that's a skill set that you could bring out to the world as well. So if anybody's looking for that connection between community and customer experience, give Nate a call So or find him on CX Accelerator. There we go. Uh, All right. So we have a couple fun topics to talk about. Some of them are kind of macro and some Mm. of them are a little more micro. But my hope is that we talk about things that impact you, whether you're in B2C or B2B, or maybe you're leading an internal team around employee experience. These are the things that we pay attention to. And a lot of times people ask me, where do you get your CX information? Like, how do you stay up on CX? Yeah, And I find that's a really challenging question because I really like to look beyond customer experience, right? Yes. We have to look at where customers are. So before we move on, Nate, I'm curious, where do you get your kind of information about current mm-hmm. events, customer experience, all those things? Gosh, I, I love I love reading good books. I just had this one recommended to me, the the four disciplines of execution. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like you, I like to to go beyond the world of customer experience, which can be a little bit of a vacuum at times. Yeah. And and it's like, what are people thinking about? What are people talking about beyond CX that are going to impact the world of CX? So that's I, right. For me, for me, Jeannie, it's it's about having good conversations with smart people. I mean, that's my favorite way. And then when they do recommend resources to me. I'm, I'm going to jump in and consume those. That's that's a great way to approach things. So speaking of smart people, The Economist has some smart people working for them. Uh, one of my favorite resources, because it is kind of this perspective from, uh, from the UK about what's happening in mostly North America. And it's uh, I always find it just kind of an interesting perspective. And one of the things that they talked about recently was this idea that we are moving into a phase that they call welcome to the age of the hermit consumer. Oh boy! And the sub headline here is really what grabbed me. The world economy is witnessing a $600 
billion with a B hmm. a year shift in behavior. Yikes. And you'll see if you're watching this, you'll see behavior is spelled with a U because this is from the UK. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, the, the concept here is something we've been talking about for several years, because when COVID hit and everything went on lockdown, we got very comfortable in our homes. Mm. We got very comfortable understanding that we had great entertainment at our fingertips. We can stream, we can order in food, we can do all of these things. And so people are really spending dollars on making kind of their, their hermit lifestyle work. And so one of the things that I think really stood out for me in exploring this article and just this topic in general is thinking through what does that mean for all of these places that we used to gather, right? The gym, the mm. um, even going out for restaurant meals with groups or the theater or going to see movies or whatever. We have to give people more and more reason to show up because things evolve. And if you are offering exactly what you offered before we went through this huge behavioral shift, then you're probably going to be left behind. So are you, first of all, do you feel like you are a hermit consumer sometimes, Nate? And and what do you think about this? Oh, not at all. So I, I personally am not, uh, mm -hmm. but I'm absolutely seeing this happen inside of my own family. Yeah. Uh, my my 12-year-old daughter cracks me up. I mean, it's, I got to drag her out of the house for just about anything. And I make fun of her so bad. Within 45 seconds of coming back in the door, she's got her cozy clothes back on and she's <laughs> locked in. And, and heaven forbid I ask her to leave leave the house again. So you you are so correct in that, Gene, in that we've got we've to give people a good reason to leave mm -hmm. yep. if we're going to get them out of their homes. It's so interesting. It is. And I think one of the examples of this is, you know, there was a huge big deal about that Top Gun movie this summer, right? Top Gun yeah. 2 did really well in the theater and partially because they did this whole push about it's really important to see in the theater and let's go back. And everybody said, okay, movies are back. But the same actor, the same level of production Mission Impossible, the next movie, did not do very well in the theater. Mm -hmm. And so people were kind of like, what's going on? And I think that when you look at giving people a reason, it's really important to kind of generate that sense of uh, almost like that sense of this, this is only happening right now and we have to participate that way. Uh, anybody who knows me knows I'm a huge fan of live theater. I love musicals. I love plays. Yeah. And so we have a great and amazing theater community in Chicago here. And so oh. we make it a, a habit to go see different productions. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I've found is that there are more people in those audiences who, first of all, have forgotten what it's like to be in public, right? So they're commenting or they're making a lot of noise because they, they're so uh -oh. used to being at home. And then the other thing is I'm noticing more people are leaving at intermission. Oh, no. And, so, and this is totally anecdotal. I should say that. I have no data on this. This is just my sure. observation. But I thought about that. And I was like, I wonder if it's because we're not just competing with like, is this an enjoyable thing in the moment? You're competing with, well, I could go home to my cozy clothes <laughs> and I could, you know, I wore real pants or whatever. <laughs> like people are. Yeah. So I think that there's so much about thinking through like, what are we really competing with? We're competing with 
not just the other play in the other theater. We're mm. competing with that sense of I can do this at home. I could I can watch Hamilton on Disney Plus, you know, like yeah. all those things that it's not the same. I am I love Hamilton. I've seen it four times. And I've watched on Disney Plus more than once, but it's not the same. And so how yeah. do you give people who are just used to these things, that idea of what it's like to come be part of that community, how do you give them enough to really make that decision? So I think it's just something that's going to affect all of us. And I think that there's an element of this that will impact B2B that people aren't seeing yet. But you know, we have to give people a reason to come to the office. We have to give people a reason to do something that if we're asking them to come to the office and sit on Zooms all day, mm. that's not gonna work. So Absolutely. really thinking through like, how are we competing with the the hermit lifestyle that people are really gravitating to? So it's a great article if you do that, get The Economist. It is subscription, but um, I highly recommend checking this out. So let's jump into another one. And this one is really quite macro. <laughs> uh, this is about the US uh, uh, American Customer Satisfaction Index. U.S. American, that's redundant. I shouldn't have said that. But, you know, when we're talking about these things, we're really talking about um, those big, you know, ways to collect data. What are people thinking? How are they feeling about their experiences? Yeah. And in Q3, it went up. And the the headline that grabbed me here was that, you know what, it actually has pretty dramatic implications for the economy when the customer satisfaction index goes up or down. Mm -hmm. And so, it actually impacts consumer spending and GDP growth, gross yeah. domestic product growth. So I, I just think, you know, we talk all the time about proving the return on investment of customer experience. Gosh. It doesn't get much mac more macro than this about how it can impact actual real results, revenue, dollars spent, all those things. So, wow. so what do you think about this, Nate? Like, do you, it's probably not a surprise to us, right? Because we understand these connections. Well, I'll tell you what the surprise is, is that the satisfaction index did in fact go up. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, in talking yeah. with, as an example, just this week in my pickleball friends, um, one of them in particular was like, I've never seen customer service so bad. People have just forgotten what it even means. And I, I hate having to interface with brands these days. And there, there's there's a lot of sentiment strong yes. sentiment out there of, about the nature of customer service and, and how much it has changed. Um, so I, I, I am a little bit surprised. I think it's incredibly encouraging. Yep. And, and I wonder how much of this gene is driven by our improvements in the technology area. Maybe these customers are actually getting really good self-service mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and that's what's improving, which would be a little sad to me because as a community <laughs> builder and somebody who loves equipping the agents who are doing this work and, and making that such a high value interaction. Uh, but I do hesitate. I, I wonder what, what it is that's driving this up. Uh, but then I think about uh, Brad Cleveland had this amazing mm -hmm. keynote at ICMI recently and, and he had an, a similar correlation that he made. There's there's a simple index. Matt Lyles would love this, wouldn't he? There, there's a, a brands that are especially simple to do business with. Mm -hmm. and, and they looked at those brands that are at the very top of that index and how much they outperformed their competitors. And it oh, was wow. astronomical, like unbelievable, mm -hmm. the outperformance quadrant of, of these organizations who were deemed to be simple to do business with. So, I mean, there's some things here that we got to wake up and recognize. 
that's a great thing to highlight because I think we often um, we often think of service, customer service, as the friendly people. How are they helping? All of that, but it's really when you look at this and you think about customer satisfaction in general. Yep. That's about the entire end-to-end experience. That's about how simple is it to find what I need? How, yeah. you know, all of those different things. One of the things I remember a couple of years ago was when the big, you know, the big box stores kind of came to life, right? Like in the last couple of decades and everybody had these big, huge stores. And one of my friends said her grandmother would call her and say, are you going to go to one of those stores? Could you pick up this? Could you pick up this? <laughs> and she was like, you could, you know, you could go. And she said, no, they're too big and they're hard on my feet. And this, and I was like, that's probably sure. something that they hadn't thought of, right? When they're putting all this together. So we have to really think about all of those touch points and how can we make it easier, more simple, more straightforward for the people who are trying to just get something done. Mm. But to your point, another sub headline here is that customer satisfaction still remains at a low historical level. Oh, okay. So while it's coming back, it's coming back from a pretty low point. No <laughs> so hopefully we see this trend continue for all the reasons mm. we just talked about, consideration of making it simple, yeah. more self-service options, because you know we're learning people want those options. Uh, easier technology, better omni-channel choice, all of those things that are so important to customers. But yeah. there's there's optimism here. So I'm excited. We have a little optimism. Yeah. <laughs> and these things are connected. I mean, the, the story one and story two yes. are, are connected. So we're, we're talking about giving people a good reason to get out of the house and go experience community. <laughs> yep. As a customer, as a consumer, right? But like, right. I, I, so I, I was introduced that apparently there's a large sandwich franchise, and, and I never heard this before, but they're famous for their employees hating on customers. <laughs> and I was hearing the stories about this. I was like, I, I, I never, but then I recently went into one of these places. And I swear this woman hated me that I was in there, like hated the fact that I okay, walked what is in. It? You have to give the brand now. No, well, no way. <laughs> But um, it, so it's like, yeah, of course I'm not going to leave the house. Right. If I'm gonna, if I'm going to go out there and and it'd be hated on by mm -hmm. by these folks, that hopefully we'd be able to come out and experience some level of community. Yeah. And camaraderie yeah. with with the people and the brands that are out there. Give give me a reason. Pull me out. And then as a consumer, hopefully I'd be more incentivized to spend more and go out there and and do more and contribute to the global economy. So I, I think there is a Absolutely. connection here. I, I agree with you. Now, I'll, I'm going to flip what you just said a little bit on its head, because here in Chicago, we have the world famous, you may not know it, but it's uh, Wiener Circle. <laughs> and they are known. What? They are known. It's a hot dog joint. They're open they late. They are you? known for abusing customers oh, in the funniest ways. And so you go in there, you know what you're talking about. Jason Kelsey, the football player, yeah. is not dating Taylor. Mm. Um just Bummer. showed up there recently and they did a whole video thing about talking back and then they changed the marquee and instead of saying welcome uh jason kelsey they said welcome taylor's boyfriend's brother <laughs> <laughs> that's so bad it was great and oh. so we really like there's something there there is a community around that whole yeah. like cheeky okay. idea and uh, so you can like, but I think it's about, 
like that started a long time ago, but it became more famous as social media and everything took off. But when I lived in the city eons ago, like we would go there and you knew what you were getting into when you went to Wiener Circle. And so I think that there is this element of, you know, creating an authentic community, you'll attract certain people. And that's part of this too. We cannot be everybody, everything to everybody. And so we have to decide who are we to our customers Mm -hmm. and how do we show up no matter what? And how can we be consistent and authentic about that? So you're right. It's all weaving together. And next time you're in Chicago, let's go to Wiener Circle because it's a lot. You'll never catch me in a Wiener Circle. (laughs) (laughs) It's so fun. It's so fun. Uh, All right. So the last one that I have for you, it's a little silly and it's also, it could be considered brilliant and clever depending okay. on who you ask. Love it. So Duolingo, which is the app that is used for um, learning different languages. Very, very popular app. Yeah. They gamify it, all of these things. So there were headlines a couple weeks ago because their logo started showing up in a different way. Now, for those oh, of you good. who can't see the visual, usually it's a bird and it looks pretty normal. This, it looks like the face is melting off oh. of the little app icon. And so- People started talking about this. They were like, what is happening? How um, the content, you know, why Duolingo is melting? And then they have another headline here. This is from Digital Trends saying how to get rid of the Duolingo melting app. Now, here's the other thing. If you were a member of the Streaks Society or a super member, meaning that maybe you pay a little more, um, you had the option of using those icons. But it (laughs) otherwise... What would you do if you had seen this, if you were just looking at your phone and you saw this melting app icon? What would you do, Nate? I, I would click it. Yep. That's yeah. exactly right. That is exactly <laughs> right. So they were trying, they realize an app like this is all about usage, right? The more that people engage with it, the more likely they're going to be loyal, the more they're going to renew all of those things. So they were trying to get people to simply click on the app. And so by doing this crazy kind of melting version of their logo, it's still identifiable as Duolingo, but it's just different enough and weird enough where people were like, oh my gosh, is my app broken? Right. And then you click on it and you're in it. it. And so there were huge discussions about this on Reddit and other platforms. And some users, of course, said, this is so dumb. I can't believe (laughs) they did this. And some users said, this is great because now I'm learning Spanish again. (laughs) And so I think that it's just another like little creative tweak. Mm. And as you know, I'm a fan of micro moments, right? These little moments that can otherwise be neglected. But if you turn up the volume a little bit on these little moments, they really help engage the customer to move through the next step of the journey with Mm. you. And I think this is just a great example of leveraging a neglected micro moment. You know, all these other apps that we have on our phone, we see them every day. They become kind of like wallpaper. We don't really interact with them. And just tweaking a little Hmm. was enough to get people to interact and it increased their usage for sure. So- Jeannie, I think think it's brilliant. I mean, it's just amazing to me. What what are we fighting against? We're fighting against inertia. That's right. Let's look at the brilliant research from Prime to Perform. And they're, and they're talking about if you want to create great experiences, you want people to care about your brand, you mm-hmm. got to develop a sense of curiosity and excitement about it. That's exactly and, and right. What's, and what's the antonym to that? It's inertia. 
You fall mm-hmm. in a rut. You're doing things like you've always done them before. And brands fall into ruts. And we yes. as a consumer put them in a little box and tuck it away and they're gone. Yep. You got to light that fire. You got to establish that sense of urgency that John Coder talks about. Little mm-hmm. play on the fact that the bil- the bird is melting. Light that <laughs> fire under your brand and and under your customer to reinvigorate that relationship with them. You've got to do that regularly in order yep. to help them follow along in the journey with you. That's exactly right. And I think part of this is this goes to everything we just talked about too. We are fighting against inertia. We are fighting against, you know what? I don't need to do anything. I don't need to go anywhere. Wow. I've got everything I need. Wow. We are fighting against all of those things. And because of that, like we are also feeling like, well, they don't really care about me because they haven't done anything for me lately, right? Yeah. As a customer. But with something like this, it takes engagement. We need to make sure that they are actually connecting with the very thing they signed up for. And so it, you know what this reminded me of a little bit is that whole like um, gamification of fitness in a way, like how, you know, and on the picture we're looking at here on the phone, there's the Apple fitness app. And I find myself like, there are certain days I'm like, well, gosh, if I don't do it today, then my streak will be over. Now who cares about my streak? Nobody. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Nobody cares about it, but it's enough of that little active engagement so that I feel like, oh gosh, I need to do this because of my Mm -hmm. streak. So um, I think that it's just, it's, it's kind of a, an example of really clever design tweak, really clever gamification, even though that's not what they're calling it. And just really a great way to re-engage with folks who maybe otherwise wouldn't be engaged in that moment. So So that's what we have for CX Pulse Check today. Anything else you want to add, Nate, about what's happening in the world or customer experience in general? I've been having some tough conversations with some folks, and I know you just saw Justin Robbins. I talked to him this morning. Um, I had a great conversation with Bill Stakos recently. was blown away at MSU, Tom DeWitt Show in in Michigan State University. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, It's crazy to me how much the work of CX is changing. And, and the customer psychology is changing even faster. Yes. So, I mean, we we need to we need to be challengers. We need to be disruptors right now. We need to foster our own sense of curiosity. That's why I love your show here, Jeannie. I mean, we, we're on the pulse. Like we're we're creating the mm-hmm. next generation of CX, whatever that looks like. However, we term that. There's some huge stuff going on right now. And and I feel like and, and this is this is me like that that was all kind of yeah this is happening mm-hmm. now Nate Brown t- community's at the heart of it to me mm-hmm. I mean that that's where like we don't we don't compete against AI why 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 would we right let it let it do the incredible stuff that it it does we shouldn't be competing against it we should be embracing it to do what we can do incredibly as humans so what what do we do that's so good we cultivate community mm-hmm. we cultivate great connections with people. So let, let's do that in the experiences that we're creating. Let, let's earn that loyalty. Let's draw people out of their houses. Yeah. And the way we're going to do that is through community and giving people a meaningful sense of identity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Uh, yeah. And I think the the whole discussion about community is so interesting because for years now, there's been a whole uh, discipline around community management, right? And often mm. that is with customers or on behalf of customers but those teams often don't talk to the actual customer experience teams. They're not connecting what the customer insights team is gathering 
to the community um, and so, or vice versa. So there should be a two-way street of communication there to build, not just from, you know, learning about what customers want and building the community around it, but yeah. the community will tell you so, so much about how customers behave, what their expectations are, what's mm. really appealing to them, all of those things. So like, if you're not connected with your community management folks and you have a customer community, this is your signal to reach out right now and connect because it's this is vital. your melting app icon. Click it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, that's a perfect mic drop moment. So I think that's great for this month, Nate. So thank you so much for being the very first co-host outside of the XI team here. And we are going to be including, you know, people from our community. We're so awesome. lucky in the customer experience world. We have such a great community of mm -hmm. people who really connect and share, and I can't wait to feature more of them mm -hmm. on CX Pulse Check every month here at Experience Invest or <laughs> here at Experience Action. And don't forget, if you do have a question for me, you can leave me a question anytime uh, as a voicemail at askgenie.vip. And then that's what I do every other episode is I answer okay. those questions. So do not be shy. So Nate, I'll be listening for your questions. So I hope you leave me a voicemail. I'm going to so, know. I want to know what your favorite disc golf disc is, but I'll ask it. Oh, in the thing. Geez. <laughs> that one, we might, you might be waiting on that one for a while. But <laughs> <laughs> thank you again so much. And thank you everybody for being here with us, for being listeners to experience 